will, turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. So we continue our study in 2 Peter. title of the message this evening is, It Happened Before, It'll Happen Again. It happened before, and it will happen again. We'll begin reading in verse 1. We're not going to start preaching in verse 1, but we will begin reading in verse 1. And uh, you follow along as I read aloud, but let's stand out of respect for the Word of God, please. If you're able to, if you're not, stay where you are. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that the word of God, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heaven and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance." But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth and all also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God? wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. We'll pause there in our reading. Thank you. You may be seated. It happened before. What happened before? God's judgment on the earth happened before. In Genesis chapter 6, Beginning at verse 1, the scripture says, And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men which were of old, men of renown. God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. 
And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth. And it grieved him in his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And you know, as we continue to read the next three chapters, that that's exactly what God did. God prepared an ark to the saving of humanity. And all who wanted could enter. But no one responded to, Moses, to Noah's message that there was a flood coming. That there was going to rain, be rain upon the earth because it had never rained before. And seven days before the rain began to fall, God put Noah in the ark and closed the door. A picture of the rapture of the church. Seven years before the millennial kingdom, when all those who have lived through the tribulation without Christ are judged. And the only ones going into the millennial kingdom will be those who have trusted Christ as Savior during the seven years of tribulation. And we will come back with Christ as his bride. And we will rule and reign with him. But Peter writes and says it's not going to be that way next time. Next time when the earth is judged, it's going to be by fire. When Noah got off the ark, God put a bow in the clouds, a rainbow, division of the spectrum of light. Nobody had ever seen the division of the spectrum of light before. All of human history, which, by the way, was only about 2,000 years. Does anybody know the name Dr. Dr. David Ray? I never had heard of him either. He's about 67, maybe 70, 75 years old. When he was 13 years old, he was a professor of mathematics at Rice University in Texas. At the age of 13, he already had a doctorate. He has since earned numerous other doctorates. He is a professor of quantum mathematics. Say, whoo, that's nice. What's that? Well, he's also an, uh, a, uh, a student and, a, and has a doctorate in ancient languages. So he's very talented and, and quite intelligent. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, Carl Baugh and the Creation Museum in Rose something, Texas, Glen Rose, Glen Rose, Texas. They completed their model of the ark. And they had Dr. David Ray to come and speak at the dedication of it. And, and uh, Dr. Baugh introduced him and told this story. He said when uh, he met David Ray, actually when he called him on the phone, David Ray contacted him because he had heard, uh, had seen a, uh, a video on the Internet of Dr. Ball speaking on creation, the, uh, the 
actual 24-hour days of creation and the fact that it was limited between six and 10,000 years ago. And, and he called Dr. Ball and he said, uh, he left a message on his answering machine, said, Dr. Ball, uh, this is Dr. David Ray, and I heard your, your speech, your, your lecture on the Internet and was intrigued by it. I certainly enjoyed it, but I can fill in the gaps. Dr. Ball said, first of all, I'd never heard of David Ray. I didn't have a clue who he was. And, you know, maybe he's a crackpot. He said, so I didn't, re- I didn't return his phone call. Uh, I uh, wrote, wrote down the number and, and listened to the call. And he said, and then uh, after a little while, I got to thinking, you know, maybe I ought to find out who this guy is. So he, uh, he looked him up, Googled him on the internet and found out that uh, there was a man named David Ray who had uh, quite an extensive education and uh, quite a brilliant mind and he was a professor at uh, Texas A&M and Rice University and that sort of thing and so he said I uh, he said I started to call him and I thought if I call him it could be a prank it could be anybody because he didn't have his number the only number that he left on the answering machine message and so he waited until the next day and finally, the third day, he thought, well, I'm not ever going to know if I don't call him. So he picked up the phone and called him, and uh, he said he expected to get his secretary who would then put him on hold and say, I'll track him down, or I'll take a message, have him get back to you, and all that. And he said, instead, this man's voice came on and said, hello. He said, by the way, young people, that's how you answer the phone. Hello. He said, yes, this is Dr. Carl Ball, and he said, Dr. Ray immediately interrupted and said, Dr. Ball, I've been waiting three days for you to call me. <laughs> he began to talk. When David Ray was in his 40s, he looked at mathematics, quantum mathematics, and developed a formula for determining the age of the universe based on Einstein's expansion model of the universe. He got it all finished. Pages and pages and pages and pages. He got it all finished and handed it to the other professors in the mathematics department and asked them to check it out, check his work. And they did. And they brought it back to him after several weeks and said, you made a mistake. And he said, well, tell me where and I'll correct it. And they said, no, you need to find it. And so he took it, and he redid all of the work again and couldn't find the mistake. He finally went to them and said, I cannot find a mistake. Where is it? And they said, well, we couldn't find one either. He said, however, though we couldn't find a mistake, we know you must have made one because we disagree so violently with your conclusion. And he said, really? said, yes. He said, at that point, I began to search. He said, I began to, because I'm a student of ancient languages, I began to read all of the ancient manuscripts about what happened when and, and, and how long ago it was and, and all this. And he said, many of the ancient manuscripts talk about a, a, a flood, but all describe it as a regional flood, not a worldwide flood. And, and, uh, and he said, I began to to search to see how many thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and 
tens of thousands of years old the earth might be. And he said, I only found one ancient manuscript that was consistent. And he said, I read that ancient manuscript cover to cover. And Dr. Ball said, well, which one was it? He said, the Holy Bible. He said, when I got re- finished reading it, and Dr. Ball said, yes, uh, what did you discover? He said, I discovered that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins, and I accepted him as my personal Savior. <laughs> Dr. Ball said, okay, what was the conclusion of the mathematical formula he did? He said, it's impossible to take the age of the earth back farther than six to 10,000 years ago. He said, it's the only thing that works. So, I was very impressed. But, yeah. However, when Noah came off the ark and he saw that rainbow in the sky, God says, this is the promise that I'm never again going to destroy the earth with water. He did not say, I'm never again going to destroy the earth. And it wasn't until we launched the International Space Station that we discovered that there's never a time on earth when there's not a rainbow visible somewhere. The promise is not only ongoing, it's eternal. It's never a break. That's pretty incredible. But isn't that just like our God? Peter writes, and he says, this they are willingly ignorant of, that the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. Here's the message for tonight. I'll try to keep it short. The introduction was pretty long, so I'll keep the message short. Number one. It's going to happen again. The heavens and the earth which are now by the same word that allowed the old world to be overflowed with water are reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Perdition, punishment, destruction. That's what that means. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing. That one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. You say, well, Casey, I've heard that explained in several different ways. It says that the earth's only going to be around 7,000 years because there were seven days of creation. And others have explained that uh, each day of creation was actually a 1,000 years because one day is a 1,000 years. And, and, and none of that is the answer to the interpretation of this verse. The interpretation of this verse is found in the next verse. One day is with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. Why? Because God doesn't have a clock. God doesn't have a watch. God is not consumed by time like we are. 
You say, Brother Casey, are you consumed by time? I am so excited for time change, time change Sunday to get here so that I can fall back an hour. Okay? Now, when I fall back, I don't just change the clocks and change my watch. I literally fall back. I get up on Sunday morning and think, ooh, i got another hour. Clink. And it happens in the fall, which helps me to remember. Ordinarily, it would have happened by now, but because of the <coughs> energy commission, uh, they've changed it and prolonged it, and I have no idea what Sunday it's going to be on this year. I could find out, but it's not going to change it, so I'm not going to mess with it. But God is not consumed by time. God already knows the end. He knew it from the beginning. He knew it from before the beginning. He already knows what's going to occur in the ages to come after this age is finished. After the millennial kingdom is finished. And Satan and his angels are cast into hell. The mind of God is so imaginative and so creative that he's already got it all mapped out for all of eternity. There's no excuse for us to be boring. No excuse for us to be bored. The Word of God is so rich and so full of exciting things. And this is one of them. God is not bothered by time, and He is not slack concerning His promise. He'll wait a thousand years to see somebody get saved. He waited 60 years for Charlie Booth. Well, not quite that long, probably 50 years. Charlie probably knew he's a sinner by the time he was 10. He is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. But what's his promise? His promise is that judgment's coming. He's long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But, there's that word, but the day of the Lord will come. If you underline in your Bible, underline that phrase. Will come. That's not a maybe. It's not a hope so. Trust me. The day of the Lord will come. And when it comes, it's coming as a thief in the night. Zip. In the which the heaven shall pass away with a great noise. You, know, you say, Brother Casey, is this talking about the rapture? Nope, it's not talking about the rapture. Is it talking about the end of the tribulation period? Nope, not talking about the end of the tribulation period. Well, when's it talking about? It's talking about when the heavens, the atmosphere, is consumed. And the earth and the works that are therein. All of the magnificent things that we men have Created like the 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 giant. What's that game you hit with the little wooden ball with the croquet? Like the giant croquet wicket in St. Louis. Okay, built that in 1964. Why? Because at the time it looked like Russia was going to take us over. And when we had a particular president from Georgia, 
it looked like he was going to give it away and the Russians were going to have a handle to carry us off with. That didn't happen. But we don't know what the future holds. But all of those things are going to be destroyed. It sounds like massive nuclear war. But it need not be. God can do it by splitting the atom all by himself. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. And here's the main part of the message. Number one, judgment's coming. Number two, God is patient. He's, he wants people to get saved. And number three, because judgment is coming, how are we supposed to live? Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Whoa, that's going to be sweet. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. Go back to verse 11. That's where he really nails it. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? God is not talking to just the church, not talking to a particular church. He uses the word ye there because when the King James was translated, that meant you, all. Okay? Thee and thou were singular. You and ye are plural. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in holiness, holy conversation, and godliness? How are you supposed to live your life? Boy, you ought to live your life so that every day you'll be ready if Jesus shows up and you won't have to be embarrassed about what you're doing or where you're found. I'm very serious. First time. Very first time. Back up. The very next time. You're doing something you know God is not pleased with. Something the Holy Spirit has dealt with you about. Ask yourself this question. If Jesus comes back right now, what am I going to say? And remember how fast he said he was coming? In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. And I'm talking about the rapture here. I'm talking about when he comes for the church. You're watching TV. And you're watching something on the screen that the Holy Spirit says, Oh, did you see that? How how many verses that violated? Did you hear what he said? What are you doing watching this? And you ask yourself the question, if Jesus calls me right now, what am I going to say? Or you're doing something. We have habits that, oh my goodness, they weight us down. And we 
know that we ought to give them up. I learned something very interesting today. People who quit smoking generally quit after the seventh time. Okay? So people who say, I can't quit. Well, how do you know? Maybe you hadn't quit often enough yet. Okay? I had a friend who said, I know I can quit smoking. I've quit a hundred times already. Wow. What manner of persons ought you to be in holy conversation and godliness? Conversation has to do with speech and manner of life, citizenship. And godliness has to do with attitude. Actions and attitude. What manner of persons ought we to be? Well, we ought to be like Jesus. That's God's plan for us. He predestined us. The ones He knew were going to be saved. He predestined us to be conformed to the image of His Son. To be like Christ. So that you don't have to call yourself a Christian. You just tell somebody, I'm a follower of Christ. They'll know if you're a Christian or not. They'll be able to watch you and tell if you're a Christian or not. Because the word Christian means like Christ. I'm a follower of His. Well, and I'd love for people to think I was a Christian. But if they don't, it's not His fault. So there we have it. Judgment's coming. God's patient. And we ought to live like it might be now. Let's pray together. Father, dismiss us with your love. Bless the the cake that Kim prepared and the fellowship. And dear Lord, we'll give you all the praise and all the glory for what you're going to do. We pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.